You're listening to the Anthony Mercurio Performance Podcast, a show dedicated to breaking down elite sports performance and fitness. My name is Anthony Mercurio, and I've worked with thousands of athletes over the last 15 years of strength and conditioning. And if you're looking for ways to improve your speed, jumping ability, or just overall athleticism, then this is the show for you. Let's get after it. And welcome back to another episode of the Anthony Mercurio Performance Podcast. We're at episode number 14 today. And today we're going to talk about a conversation that came up recently at our athlete training sessions the other day. So a college athlete who is home for spring break was discussing with another athlete about the efficacy and the, the overall strength and conditioning program at her college or university. Now, this is a college female soccer player and their team is pretty good. And, you know, I, I kind of warned some of these athletes going into it about some of the things that she's experiencing, but coming from me as their strength coach for the last two or three years, it's kind of like your parent telling you, you know, don't do that or don't do this because, you know, whatever, we're all stupid, right? And uh, to these teenagers. So parents are stupid. Your person that you're with all the time that, you know, is potentially an expert in the field is also very stupid or dumb because they don't know what they're talking about in terms of, you know, what you're looking at from your perspective as a teenager. So in the grand scheme of things, unless you're in a big time program, you know, big, big, big time program that's nationally well-known and you're in a big time, big money sport, you know, think about football, things that bring in tons of money for the organization, for the school, basketball, you know, I think those are the two main ones that bring in a ton of money towards the school, then you're not going to get the best of the best in terms of strength and conditioning. And even if you are in a big time program or a big money program, you're still not going to necessarily get the best, the best strength and conditioning because the strength and conditioning program of your school and of your particular sport is really guided by the head coach of that sport or team. And the reason this is so is because the head coach hires their staff and in their staff is that strength and conditioning coach. So if a football coach, to use that as an example, if a football coach wants to see his athletes bench press, back squat, and power clean because that's what he's familiar with and used to, then the strength coach has to go with that flow or go with that program and get on it and have the athletes back squat, bench press, and power clean, even if that strength coach doesn't necessarily believe in those particular movements as being the best to make their athletes the strongest, the most resilient, and the best athletes. So this is where the disconnect kind of happens when you're talking about strength and conditioning, because now, you know, maybe coaches who are really excellent in their craft are moving away from the college scene because of these restrictions placed on them from their head coaches. And then head coaches may, you know, they may butt heads with the strength and conditioning coach about, you know, what's best for the athletes and coaches want to train or coaches want to do this or coaches give a strength and conditioning coach 30 minutes to get through a whole program. So people are rushing through it. And then the whole efficacy and the stimulus of the actual program is, is a moot point at, at, at best because you don't get a lot of time or opportunity to actually get better at the things that you need to get better at. And then you see more injuries, you see athletes not taking training seriously and so on and so forth. So bottom line, you know, for lack of a better way to phrase it, the programs suck and the coaching is sucks too, because it's, they're, they're people who are, you know, either new to the craft or they're put in a position where they can't really succeed. So what do you do? 
you know, so you have a couple options here. Either you just kind of keep going with the flow and you do nothing or you do close to nothing, which is what the program that they're asking you to do is, or you have to go out on your own and do these sorts of things. And the problem here is if you do go out on your own and try to train on your own, I see a lot of, I used to see a lot of football players that I used to uh, play football with and they would go to the fitness center and do more. But more just turned into more like bodybuilding aesthetic type training. And it wasn't necessarily specific to getting better at a sport. So, you know, football guys might go and bench press more and do stuff that might fill their sleeves, you know, bicep curls and tricep extensions and things like that. And girls traditionally, you know, generally speaking, uh, will go do more cardio and abs, right? So we have these these this dichotomy of different things. So either you can do this little bit of strength conditioning that your coach is telling you to do or rushing through that's not going to be super effective and then or you can do it on your own and then do things that aren't really super beneficial. So we have to find somewhere in the middle. Now, if you're an athlete and you're listening to this or if you know somebody who's an athlete who could possibly benefit from this, what needs to happen here if you're doing this on your own is there are, are a ton of great programs online for one, right? But again, you have to kind of shuffle through the nonsense because there's a lot of bad trainers online, just like there's a lot of bad trainers in person. And I think what what happens is you get pulled in by these gurus or these people who tout all these amazing results, but at the end of the day, they're, they have nothing to really back it up other than a, a large Instagram following. So when you're designing a, a, a plan for yourself or a program for yourself, there's a couple of things you want to consider. And now I'm going to say the first thing, which is the most important, is going to be, you know, making sure that you're, you're flexible and mobile enough to be able to perform your sport in a way that you need to. So if you're constantly tight in your hamstrings, if you're constantly tight in your groin, if you're constantly tight in your hips, then we have to figure out kind of what stuff that we need to do to address that. So that's number one. Make sure that we're mobile and flexible enough to be able to perform our sport accurately or, or well. The next thing is to make sure that we are doing some sort of movement practice in a multi-planar fashion. So I'm running and I'm sprinting full speed and forward. I'm doing some change of direction drills. I'm doing some curve running. I'm doing some jumping and I'm doing all sorts of things in these different patterns to allow myself to prepare for my sport on the field. So these requires all different types of running styles. If you don't really have a lot of access to stuff, then sprinting is great. Sprinting up hills is great if you don't have sleds. Um, sprinting backwards, side shuffling, karaoke's, all that kind of stuff can help you know, do that box jumps, broad jumps, uh, any kind of sprinting and jumping that you can do is going to help carry over to your sport a lot. And then from there, you know, I just saw a post today on Instagram that actually had a pretty good idea. You know, if you can pick like a couple of different movements to work on, I always like to do for the upper body to make it really simple, push-ups, pull-ups, dips, ring rows, or TRX rows. If you just did those for the most part and you got really good at those and challenged those, then you'll be really good. If you're a female athlete and you could do six to 10 pull-ups, you're in a great place. If you can do 12 to 20 push-ups, you're in a good place. And you can always progress those by adding weight to them. So super simple, right? Don't even need a lot of equipment. Lower body, here's when you want to add some sort of deadlifting pattern. So you want to maybe trap bar deadlift if you have access. If you don't, sumo deadlift, good morning, uh, dumbbell Romanian deadlift, which is kind of like a stiff legged deadlift. And that'll get you in like your hamstrings and glutes to get more power there. Then you want to squat. You can bilateral squat, which we, we do. We front squat, we back squat. Or you could do some single leg variations. You can, you know, Bulgarian split squat or rear foot elevated split squat. You can work on single leg squats. You can work on a single leg skater squats. So there's a lot of different options there as well. And what you want to do is you want to pick a couple patterns. Maybe if you're working three times a week. 
and you want to do all all the patterns. So you're gonna you're gonna squat and you're gonna do an upper body pull. So let's say a quick example might be I'm gonna do a front squat and I'm gonna pair it with a pull up, and I might do four to five sets of that of five squats and then max effort pull ups. And then I'm going to go on to doing some sort of deadlift pattern. So if I'm going to do two, usually if I do two-legged squat, I'm going to do a single leg deadlift, right? So I might do a, a single leg deadlift pattern or a single leg hamstring curl and then pair that with a pressing exercise. So I might do a single leg deadlift with, you know, if I'm, again, if we take a take look at it that way, I did a two-armed pull-up, I might do a single arm press. So I did a single leg deadlift, single arm press. And then that'll get all my patterns in to get me stronger. And then in the next day I train, I might flip it. So I might go a single leg squat with a single arm row and then a double leg deadlift with a double arm press or a push up. So now I have all these different varieties. I'm getting a lot of different exposure to different movements, allowing my body to recover and the other patterns that we worked on and getting a chance to work single leg versus double leg, single arm versus double arm. And I get a lot of variety there. In addition, I'm doing this at the end of my training session, not in the beginning. So here's another thing I think a lot of people mess up with this. If I, if speed, agility, conditioning, and all that kind of stuff is a priority for me, I need to do that in the beginning of the session. So I want to do my power, my explosive movements, my speed work all in the beginning and then finish off the session with your strength work to help build resilience and robustness in your ability to fight off injury and stay healthy and get better on the field. So that's a basic, basic template for a program. And if you're going to do something on your own, that's where I would start. And you'll get a lot more bang for your buck by just sticking to a really simple routine like that than doing just things that you think might be beneficial or things that make you feel good for aesthetic purposes. Because the aesthetics or the way you look will come as a result of doing the right things. So if you're, if you're sprinting, working on change direction, jumping, and then working all those patterns, the aesthetics are going to come as a, as a result of that. And it's going to make you look more athletic as well as be more athletic. So if your coach sucks, that's where I would start. And I think a lot of us struggle trying to figure out what to do next. And that's where we fall apart. So hope that helps. And always, if you have any questions or if you need my help or want my help, you can always reach out to me on Instagram at amacurio and we'll see you next time. Let's get it. <laughs>